0: As the game of lacrosse explodes across this country, it's important to recognize just how instrumental the female side of the game has been to driving the majority of that growth. A recent U.S. lacrosse study from 2013 to 2018 found that girls' high school lax participation grew by 26% in just those six years alone. Since 2006, girls lacrosse participation overall has more than doubled. With the advent of the Women's Professional League in 2018, the ladies game now stretches from youth through high school to college to the ranks where players are paid to play. In Connecticut, there are currently 100 high school girls lacrosse teams. That's actually one more than the boys, and that's amazing to comprehend when considering that the first CIAC championship for the girls wasn't even held until 2004. There's no doubt about it, whether it's a Title IX issue or just the allure of the game itself, The ladies have come to the game in staggering numbers, and because of that, the sport itself has evolved quickly in terms of stick skills, speed, and athleticism. It's thrilling to watch when it's played at the highest level. I'm Woody Thompson, and this is Lax's Life. Mora Fletcher has spent 14 years as the head coach of the girls lacrosse team at Newtown High School. In that time, her teams have won an amazing 83% of their games. The Newtown girls won the Southwest Conference Championship in each and every one of Maura's first 10 years as head coach. She was selected as the Connecticut High School Girls Lacrosse Association's Coach of the Year in 2014, and after taking a two-year break from the sidelines to refresh and recharge, she returned to coach the Nighthawks to another SWC title in 2017. A graduate of Long Island Lacrosse Factory Ward-Melville High School, Mora went on to play college ball at Villanova. She's a mother of four, all lacrosse players, and she also competes at a very high level in recreational tennis and golf. For this episode of Lax's Life, I needed to get out of the house, so because she lives in my town, I went and visited Mora at her home, while her lawn was being mowed, actually, and I think you'll enjoy our conversation. Okay, so here we are, uh, responsibly, socially distanced in the Fletcher household. And um, just full disclosure here, Mora and I have been friends for, oof, I'll go roughly 18 years. Um, and um, as fellow Long Islanders, uh, lacrosse is the game that brought us together. Uh, we were part of the group that ran Newtown Youth Lacrosse for quite a long time back in the 2000s. Mora's uh, stayed engaged with the game uh, to uh, the max extent I might add and I really want to thank you more for having us over today uh, to talk about the game and the girls and what's happening.
1: Thanks Woody thanks for having me.
0: So let's let's get right into it. Um, f- first of all I just want to you know having knowing your family and you've got everybody home and everybody appears to be safe and healthy. Your daughter Madeline. Uh, is a nurse in New York City, and so let's give her a huge salute for the work that she did uh, to keep people safe and healthy and deal with an almost untenable situation there. So hats off to, to Madeline Fletcher. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, we love her, so. Um, so we've been talking a lot about the season that wasn't here in 2020, and you as the head coach of the Newtown girls team. Let's talk a little bit about your team, about the girls, especially about your seniors. Um, what were your expectations? Um, and, you know, who was, who was going to lead this team this year um, and continue that Newtown tradition of success?
1: Yeah, sadly, when I look back on this 2020, what could have been, um, I believe it was going to be a really, really good team. I have five uh, seniors, three of whom have been starters since their freshman year. Two of whom will be playing Division One lacrosse next year. So um, I really had high hopes, high hopes for the team, and they were working so hard in the off season, preparing, getting ready. So um, it was really devastating for them. Um, Senior captain Riley Harrell uh, is a midfielder, All-State lacrosse player, um, definitely would have been an All-State or an All-American candidate this year, is going off to play at Fairfield University. She's fast, she's fiery, she's feisty. She's all those things wrapped into one. And um, just a real, real competitive player. I think of all the kids, she missed this the most, just having spoken to her and um, seeing. I did actually see the girls yesterday. We had a little bit of a senior night um, in my backyard, social distancing. So it was kind of cool. Um, another senior captain, Colleen Faniff, a defensive player, is going off to play at the University of Connecticut. I um, I talk about Colleen like I talk about one of my old players, Cassie Ekstrom, who also played at UConn, oddly enough, um, but the two of them have this intuitiveness defensively. They just know what the next step is that's coming, something that you can't teach.
0: Yeah, I seem to remember Cassie's, main quality and her kind of calling card was the ability to intercept a pass and s- just know when that next pass was coming and flash in front. Yep. She wasn't the flashiest player. She wasn't the fastest on the field, but she knew what was happening before it happened. So yeah, and you calling had, the exact same, same player. Cool. Lefty,
1: intuitive, you know, knows where a ground ball is going no matter what it hits and, you know, Picks off passes left and right. Um, Katie Gregory, who's going off to Boston College. She um, is a goalie, was a starter for three years, Um, you know, was looking for great things from her as well.
0: Clearly academically challenged as well. (laughs) Yes, she
1: is, she (laughs) is. Um, An underachiever. (laughs) Ashley Hammond, who's a good defensive player, was coming back and um, Cat Trammell, who was a, a second-string goalie in the past, but worked so hard in the offseason with Mark Felch every week and, you know, was right there vying for a starting spot. And honestly, we had talked about it. Mark was coming back this year. I don't know if you know that, which is great.
0: Yeah, let's let our listeners understand. There's a guy in Newtown named Mark Felch who was here before I got here. and um Quickly, I began to understand that uh, when it came to lacrosse, um, certainly not just around here, but Mark's a Yorktown guy, went to Texas, um, and really, I think, arguably is one of the best coaches that any of our kids certainly ever had. And then when his daughter went and played at Vassar, he became an assistant coach there, and for all intents and purposes, May have even been the head coach at Vassar, just not by name. But um, I may get in trouble for saying that. But I think there are a lot of there are a lot of kids, boys and girls, who have come through Newtown, Lacrosse and owe a lot of uh, a lot of congratulations and thank yous to uh, Mark Felch.
1: Absolutely. And when my early years of coaching, I learned everything about coaching from Mark. He was my assistant coach but I really learned everything from him.
0: And he continues to work with our players in the off season, and, and this is a, a, a case in point. Yep. Great. All right, so let's talk a little bit now about uh, the SWC, which arguably has become incredibly more competitive since you basically ran roughshod through the, the conference. That, that, that's actually not fair, I apologize. It was always competitive, and your teams never had a cakewalk Uh, for the most part Um, but I mean the 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 stretch of 10 consecutive championships is really unprecedented and um, in recent years uh, I think Newtown's girls program has done as much to raise the bar for other towns in the SWC and their desire to be competitive talk a little bit about what the conference looked like for this season and and what you think you know objectively was going to happen
1: Yeah, we had at least six real competitive teams um, just rattling off New Fairfield, Pomprog, Weston, Barlow, Newtown, Massick. Not to deflate anyone else in the conference, but that just is what comes to mind. Um, And like you said, in the early 2000s, we had plenty of games that were really one-sided, um, high scoring on my side, and come to 20, I would say 17, 2018, 2019, and this year, those teams are all so much more competitive. They have big youth programs, they're bringing a lot of girls into their programs, uh, also working in the off season, so way, way more competitive. SWCs.
0: So that speaks really to the growth of the, the girls' and women's game in general. I mean, you, look, you, uh, you know, uh, as I said at the, the in the open, uh, more as a graduate of, unfortunately, Ward Millville High School on Go Long Patriots. Island. Yep, yep, Go we'll just, Patriots. We're not going to talk about Ward Millville anymore, but I, here I mention it's my fault. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, it was part of the culture of where you grew up. Um, and uh, certainly Long Island is, you know, one of the hotbeds of, of girls lacrosse and and, all, and has been for quite some time. And, you know, the FCAC certainly has been there and, and produces amazing talent from Wilton, New Canaan, Greenwich, Darien, of course. But I mean, the growth of the game statewide, the growth of the game nationwide has really kind of changed all of that and uh has allowed for a greater degree of competitiveness has allowed for more opportunities for girls to go on and play uh, at the college level i mean what changes have you seen in the game Um, is it the skill level is it just the sheer numbers of of girls who who are coming into the high school game prepared to play and and not just being good athletes or you know what really has changed in your mind since those early days back in the early 2000s. Yeah, well even
1: 1998 was when we moved to Newtown and I started volunteering at Newtown Youth Lacrosse. There was not a girls program. We had one team from 3rd grade to 8th graders. You know, fast forward 15 years, 20 years, there's hundreds of girls in the program. I think that lacrosse became cool right like everyone wanted to be a lacrosse player Um, i think about uh, some of my juniors that i have now are amazing athletes three sport athletes lacrosse was probably not their one number one choice four years ago but they see the opportunity for scholarships now and they're really really pursuing lacrosse especially more in the off soon because of those opportunities for scholarships. So, you know, the five foot four girl from Newtown who plays soccer, basketball, and lacrosse is realizing, or mommy and daddy are realizing, that basketball isn't going to pay the tuition, but lacrosse just may. So I'm seeing a lot more of of my players are playing in college.
0: And let's be clear, it's not just about the scholarship, it's about the game's ability to get you noticed to get you perhaps into a better school to get you in certain cases like in division 3 some academic aid or grants i mean i think yeah you know, i just want to be clear that the the chasing of the scholarship is something that we always encourage parents to be very careful about and and recognize especially in a sport like lacrosse where the limited numbers of there are no real full rides available right. but schools make funding available and the, the growth of the women's game on the college level has been incredible and really is uh the growth itself in terms of sheer numbers far see, uh, exceeds the the men's game
1: yeah well can you even think about five years ago being able to turn the television on and seeing a women's lacrosse game never you know, it was like maybe you would see the final of the Division One, you know, NCAA tournament. But now you put on ESPNU, you put on ESPN, even you see women's lacrosse. So it is growing exponentially and that, um, you know, professional women's lacrosse league, how many teams, four, six teams are in there? Um, we'll have to see how that goes, but...
0: Yeah, it's. There's no doubt that the desire to perpetuate the game to uh, the next level and then the next level, of even beyond that, is something I think that uh, every player, everybody who loves the sport, is trying to do. And You know the professional leagues whether it's the mls well that's soccer so that's wrong that's mll um you'd think i'd know that uh or the pll uh and now of course with the women's professional league i mean you know they've done a good job there um they've not tried to be more than what they perhaps you know should be right out of the box and um, obviously now we're in a period of time that is very difficult for even the most major sports league but ironically enough it might be these small fledgling operations that don't have massive overhead that aren't demanding high player salaries or are reliant upon huge broadcast rights fees that mm-hmm. that might survive and Look, let's face it, as, as explosive as lacrosse has been across the board, whether it's the indoor game, the men's game, or the women's game, it's still you know, comparatively a niche sport. It's a game that we all love and we'd love to see get bigger, but as it does get bigger um, and as, as the game changes, and especially some of the rule changes, I think, that have been suggested for the women's game, um, for instance, helmets, uh as the game gets faster and more physical you know you're a you're a traditionalist but you're also somebody who lives in the moment how do you how do you think about you know those types of things and is that is that the way it's going or are we pulling back on on those initiatives because it's just not the sport it's not women's lacrosse
1: yeah i don't know how i feel personally about the helmets so for uh 13 years I've coached high school lacrosse. I've had one concussion in 13 years and it happened on the bus. Not you
0: personally. A Not player. me personally, a player. my okay. players. Just and it clarifying. happened on to... the
1: bus, like messing around on the bus. Kids. So they're crazy. Um, so, but on the other hand, I watch the athleticism of these girls, you know, at the college level. The and highest level is so, staggering. They're so strong and they're so fast and you know, anything can happen in a second. And the the velocity of their shots, my God, if it hit someone's head, you know, it could kill them. So, uh, you know, on the one side, I want the game to be preserved like it was. I don't want physical... Um, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: You don't want anybody to get hurt. You <laughs> don't want to get hurt, but
1: no, I don't want... Um, you know, pushing around.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's, it shouldn't be boys' lacrosse. It shouldn't be boys' lacrosse. I, and I, get I don't that. want it to yeah.
1: become that. But I do, as a realist I, and a mother, I understand why people would want to wear helmets and why I bet that that's where it's evolving
0: to. And if you look at a lot of the people who, are, frankly, know the game of lacrosse and start with boys, they watch a girls' lacrosse game, and to them, it's frustrating because of the number of whistles because of things like shooting space and, and, and there's no play on rule. And, and all these rules are there for safety. And that's at least the way it's always been explained to it me. It is for
1: safety. But I do feel like the girls game is evolving a little bit more like the boys. Like this year, high school sports was free movement. The game is moving much quicker. But the rules that are in place are really for safety.
0: When you played at Villanova, did they have the no, it was no boundaries, right? It, there was nope. technically no out of bounds.
1: There was, so, but we did play on the turf, right. so there was a natural boundary for the track. But in high school, we had this huge open field, and there literally was no boundaries. Okay,
0: um, All right, so flashing back to the program here that you've been involved in for so long, and the, as we were talking about the youth and the, the number of players that are, are playing all the way through, you know, you've also had um, some really athletic players come to the game later. I think, for instance, of Riley Wirtz, mm-hmm. an all-state basketball player who always, she played baseball. She played not softball. She played baseball right. until she was, I believe, in 10th grade. And then uh, because you're not only friends with the family, but your son and Riley are friends, she was shamed into playing <laughs> lacrosse. And and she was phenomenal because of her speed and her basketball skills. Have there been other players like that that have not been lifelong lacrosse players, whether it's at Newtown or anywhere else, that yep, you've seen lots. just come to them? Yeah, Lots. Because it's an athletic game. It's an
1: athletic game, and it's just like basketball on a field. So if you understand basketball, you understand lacrosse. You just have to learn how to throw and catch.
0: Exactly. So here we sit um, with you know, college sports, uh, You know, with uh, no spring sports this year, and certainly a lot of questions to be answered about uh, incoming freshmen and fifth years for seniors. Um, and I'm sure that the girls that you are graduating that are going on to play uh, are excited to do that, but now they're kind of a part of a five-year program where I'm sure a lot of the players that they were thinking were going to leave aren't going to leave. What, what is the, the situation with women's lacrosse um, and it, it's, its growth across, mm-hmm. let's, call, let's call it the major, the power five conferences, because as we look at lacrosse, in college lacrosse on the men's side, you know, when we talk about the ACC being so powerful, there are only five schools in the ACC that play men's lacrosse. It's different in the women's game because you've got Boston College fielding a women's team and frankly being one of the top teams in the mm-hmm. country. You've but that's got, relatively new, Boston College. Uh, I understand the, that. Yeah. And in the SCC, SEC, you've got Florida, who also has fielded uh, amazing teams. And as the game grows in Florida, you even see more players on that roster coming from the state. So I'm looking at women's lacrosse as a national thing. Where are the hotbeds that are feeding these college programs? Because traditionally, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, um, certainly a number of players have come from Connecticut. But where else are they coming from other than Australia? Because uh-huh. there's still a lot of Australians. It's
1: still those hotbeds that you yeah. said.
0: Southern California.
1: A little bit from Southern California. I, I think you know this. A uh, girl, Lauren Chico Muscolo. Chico. Chico.
0: Yeah.
1: Chico. Uh, amazing player. Uh, lived in California moved back to Connecticut let's be clear
0: lived in Glastonbury true moved to California
1: you have a really good (laughs) (laughs)
0: memory she was very good she She was was a great
1: player and interestingly enough in this 2020 season I was meeting with my team once a week via zoom and it was kind of depressing and you know Kind of sad. So I decided to kind of boost them up a little bit that every week I would have an um, alumni come on. Oh, that's great. So um, Chico was one of those alumni because she's running a club program in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So she, I thought it would be interesting for her to come on and talk to them about you know, what the recruiting process is going through, what the summer is going to be like, what thing they're hearing about. And so getting back to the hotbeds, uh, she does. She's in Southern California, Orange County, and that seems to be a little bit of a hotbed. She's got a lot of players that are going Division One to some of these really good schools. But um, I think Texas is turning out good players. I think Florida is turning out good players. But I still do think that Baltimore, Philadelphia, Long Island, uh, lower Fairfield County are turning out you know just
0: phenomenal players and probably that northern virginia dc area as Mm -hmm. well i mean like Mm -hmm. saint Anne's, benfield those schools are providing a lot of talent i mean it 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 does mirror the men's game and the boys game to a certain extent i think lacrosse is essentially an inherently a family game where if your brothers or your sister played or your father or your mother played that's how you pick it up but as things change and um more kids are exposed to it and see it for the free-flowing, creative game that it is. Uh, you're, we're going to see even greater numbers. But it's it really is exciting to see um, the the success of of the the girls' side of the game, especially here in the state of Connecticut. And you know, I'll finish up on this. I think the question we've always wanted to address, and and I think. Y- it's been a long time since a team outside of the FCAC has has really come to the fore. And really, it's been Greenwich, Wilton, Darien, and New Canaan. Staples has gotten a lot better. A and lot better. A lot better. And on both sides, boys and girls. Um, you know, who, uh, I mean, I know that uh, New Fairfield is this bizarre little lacrosse factory that is, you know, I think... know Marty Morgan and what he's built there on both the boys and girls sides is just phenomenal they have a culture in that town that that I think we're a little bit envious of at times here in in Newtown but you know where are the next challengers coming from outside the FCAC is it Cheshire is it Glastonbury with their great history who are the programs outside the FCAC that can really challenge that highest level especially as we look at coach Lindley and what she's done in Darien.
1: Yeah. um, Cheshire has been, Dan Warburton's done a great job with their program in Cheshire, and he's been the one team that has really challenged those FCX. And when I talk to him when he's in the state tournament, he truly believes that he's going to beat Darien. Like he, I think it was two years ago, maybe it was last year that he was in the state final. And I spoke to him before the game and, um, You know, he truly believed that his team was going to beat them. And I look at a team like Darianne, not that anything can happen on any given day, but she's got third string girls that are going to the Ivies, you know, that don't even play on their high school field that are being recruited. So I look at her team, you know, she's got, she's 20 deep as far as you know she could go three strings down and have fresh players on the field and teams like myself and cheshire and glastonbury um conard is doing a good job with their programs guilford has a really good team now um we just don't have those numbers so if we have girls that can run forever you know maybe we could
0: yeah i i think there's there's this weird thing that's happening and more power to them but i do believe that People are moving to Darien so their kids can be in that lacrosse program, whether it's boys or girls. But that's probably too controversial to put out there publicly, even though I just did. (laughs) So listen, um, the lawnmower is suggesting that our time here is up. Uh, But anyway, I want to thank you for bringing us into your home today. Uh, as if I'd never been here before, but uh, really a, a joy always to talk to you about the game uh, that we love, uh, that you've put so much time and effort into, and there's so many people that I know uh, thank you, uh, you know, her, our family included, uh, for the job you did with our daughter as well, who played for you um, anyway. And um, we wish you and hope that you're back on the field you know, soon, And uh, that we can get through all of this and then the next iteration of your Newtown Nighthawk team is uh, worthy of the the legacy that you've established.
1: Thank you, Woody, and thanks for coming. And just one last thing to say about this fraternity, sorority of family lacrosse it's it's really a crazy crazy thing that it brings all these people together but it does and when people are in need people need jobs people you know are reaching out for anything lacrosse people help and it's nice to have that so thanks for being part of my life and inviting me
0: to talk today well hopefully it's not over with with this no podcast. yeah no i'm not yeah. kicking you out okay yet. it's good so, you know, I've done a few of these now and I recognize that a couple of them have been right here in my own backyard. But in talking to Scott Bulkley, the head boys coach at Newtown and now Mora, um, I do realize that I've got two extremely qualified uh, people in, in, in my town right here who have a great perspective on the game itself. We're gonna be talking uh, to more people associated with the women's side of the game as we go on because it's such an integral part of the growth of lacrosse and really this family atmosphere that Mora was talking about. Wanna thank everybody for stopping by again and listening to Lax's Life and I hope you'll join us again when next we meet.